0: Volume 4, Chapter 7 of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Jeanne. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress, by Fanny Burney. Volume 4, Chapter 7 A Reproof the attention of cecilia to her own affairs did not make her forgetful of those of the heralds and the morning after the busy day which was last recorded as soon as she quitted the breakfast-room she began a note to mr monckton but was interrupted with information that he was already in the house she went to him immediately and had the satisfaction of finding him alone but desirous as she was to relate to him the transactions of the preceding day There was in his countenance a gravity so unusual that her impatience was involuntarily checked, and she waited first to hear if he had himself anything to communicate. He kept her not long in suspense. Miss Beverly, he said, I bring you intelligence which, though I know you will be very sorry to hear, it is absolutely necessary, should be told you immediately. You may otherwise, from however laudable motives, be drawn into some action which you may repent for life what now cried cecilia much alarmed all that i suspected said he and more than i hinted to you is true mr harrel is a ruined man he is not worth a groat and he is in debt beyond what he ever possessed cecilia made no answer she knew but too fatally the desperate state of his affairs yet that his debts were more than he had ever possessed she had not thought possible my enquiries, continued he have been among principles and such as would not dare deceive me i hasten therefore to you that this timely notice might enforce the injunctions i gave you when i had the pleasure of seeing you last and prevent a misjudging generosity from leading you into any injury of your own fortune for a man who has passed all relief from it and who cannot be saved even though you were to be destroyed for his sake You are very good, said Cecilia, but your counsel is now too late. She then briefly acquainted him with what passed, and with how large a sum she had parted. He heard her with rage, amazement, and horror, and after inveighing against Mr. Harrel in the bitterest terms, he said, But why, before you signed your name to so base an imposition, could you not send for me? I wished I meant to have it done, cried she, but I thought the time passed when you could help me. How, indeed, could you have saved me? My word was given, given with an oath the most solemn, and the first I have ever taken in my life. An oath so forced, answered he, the most delicate conscience would have absolved you from performing. You have, indeed, been grossly opposed upon, and pardon me if I add unaccountably to blame. Was it not obvious that relief so circumstanced must be temporary? If his ruin had been anything less than certain, what tradesman would have been insolent? you have therefore deprived yourself of the power of doing good to a worthier object merely to grant a longer date to extravagance and villainy yet how cried cecilia deeply touched by this reproof how could i do otherwise could i see a man in the agonies of despair hear him first darkly hint his own destruction and afterwards behold him almost in the very act of suicide the instrument of self-murder in his desperate hand and yet though he put his life in my power though he told me i could preserve him and told me he had no other reliance or resource could i leave him to his stressful despidence refusing my assisting hand to raise him from perdition and to save what after all i am well able to spare suffer a fellow-creature who flung himself upon my mercy to offer up his last accounts with an action blacker than any which had preceded it no, I cannot repent what I have done, though I lament indeed that the object was not more deserving. Your representation, said Mr Monckton, like everything else that I have ever heard you utter, breathes nothing but benevolence and goodness, but your pity has been abused, and your understanding imposed upon. Mr Harrel had no intention to destroy himself, the whole was an infamous trick, which had not your generosity been too well known, would never have been played. "'I cannot think quite so ill of him,' said Cecilia, "'nor for the world would I have risked my own future reproaches "'by trusting to such a suspicion, which, had it proved wrong, "'and had Mr. Harrel, upon my refusal, committed the fatal deed, "'would have made his murder upon my own conscience rest for ever. "'Surely the experiment would have been too hazardous, "'when the consequent had all my future peace in its power.' "'It is impossible not to revere your scruples,' said Mr. Monckton.' even while I consider them as causeless, for causeless they undoubtedly were. The man who could act so atrocious a part, who could so scandalously pillage a young lady who was his guest and his ward, take advantage of her temper for the plunder of her fortune, and extort her compliance by the basest and most dishonorable arts, meant only to terrify her into compliance, for he can be nothing less than a downright and thorough scoundrel capable of every species of mean villainy. He then protested he would at least acquaint her other guardians with what had passed, whose business it would be to inquire if there was any chance of redress. Cecilia, however, had not much trouble in combating this proposal, for though her objections, which were merely those of punctilious honor and delicacy, weighed nothing with a man who regarded them as absurdities, yet his own apprehensions of appearing too officious in her affairs forced him, after a little deliberation, to give up the design." "'Besides,' said Cecilia, "'as I have his bond for what I have parted with, "'I have at least no right to complain, "'unless after he receive his rent he refuses to pay me.' "'His bonds! his rents! exclaimed Mr. Monkton. "'What is a man's bond who is not worth a guinea? "'And what are his rents when all he ever owned must be sold before they are due, "'and when he will not himself receive a penny from the sale, "'as he has neither land, house, nor possession of any sort that is not mortgaged?' Nay, then, said Cecilia, if so, it is indeed all over. I am sorry, I am grieved, but it is past, and nothing therefore remains but that I try to forget I ever was richer. This is very youthful philosophy, said Mr. Monckton, but it will not lessen your regret hereafter, when the value of money is better known to you if i shall dearly buy my experience said cecilia let me be the more attentive to making good use of it and since my loss seems irredeemable to myself let me at least endeavour to secure its utility to mr harrel she then told him her wish to propose to the gentleman some scheme of reformation while yesterday's events were yet recent in his mind but mr monckton who had hardly patience to hear her exclaimed he is a wretch and deserves the full force of the disgrace he is courting what is now most necessary is to guard you from his further machinations for you may else be involved in ruin as deep as his own he now knows the way to frighten you and he will not fail to put it in practice no sir answered cecilia he would vainly apply to me in future i cannot repent that i ventured not yesterday to brave his menaces but too little is the comfort i feel from what i have bestowed to suffer any consideration to make me part with more Your resolution, answered he, will be as feeble as your generosity will be potent. Depend nothing upon yourself, but instantly quit his house. You will else be made responsible for every debt that he contracts, and whatever may be his difficulties hereafter, he will know that to extricate himself from them he has but to talk of dying, and to show you a sword or a pistol. If so, then, said Cecilia, looking down while she spoke, I suppose I must again go to Mr. Deville's this was by no means the purpose of mr monckton who saw not more danger to her fortune with one of her guardians than to her person with the other he ventured therefore to recommend to her a residence with mr briggs well knowing that his house would be a security against her seeing any man equal to himself and hoping that under his roof he might again be as unrivalled in her opinion and esteem as he formerly was in the country But here the opposition of Cecilia was too earnest for any hope that it might be surmounted, for, added to her dislike of Mr. Briggs, her repugnance to such a habitation was strongly, though silently increased, by her silent inclination to return to St. James Square. "'I mention not Mr. Briggs as an eligible host,' said Mr. Monckton, after listening to her objections, "'but merely as one more proper for you than Mr. Deville.' with whom your fixing at present would but be ill thought of in the world ill thought of sir why so because he has a son for whose sake alone it would be universally concluded you changed your abode, and to give any pretence for such a report would by no means accord with the usual delicacy of your conduct cecilia was confounded by this speech the truth of the charge she felt and the probability of the censure she did not dare dispute he then gave her a thousand exhortations to beware of the schemes and artifices of Mr. Harrel, which he foresaw would be innumerable. He told her, too, that with respect to Sir Robert Floyer, he thought she had better suffer the report to subside of itself, which in time it must necessarily do, than give to it so much consequence as to send a message to the baronet, from which he might pretend to infer that hitherto she had been wavering, or she would have sent to him sooner." But the real motive of this advice was that, as he found Sir Robert by no means to be dreaded, he hoped the report, if generally circulated and credited, might keep off other pretenders and intimidate or deceive young Deville. The purport for which Cecilia had wished this conference was, however, wholly unanswered. Mr. Monckton, enraged by the conduct of Mr. Harrel, refused to talk of his affairs and could only mention him with detestation but Cecilia, less severe in her judgment, and more tender in her heart, would not yet give up the hope of an amendment she so anxiously wished, and having now no other person to whom she could apply, determined to consult with Mr. Arnott, whose affection for his sister would give him a zeal in the affair that might somewhat supply the place of superior abilities. There was indeed no time to be lost in making the projected attempt, for no sooner was the immediate danger of suffering removed then the alarm wore away and the penitence was forgotten everything went on as usual no new regulations were made no expenses abated no pleasures forborne not a thought of hereafter admitted and ruinous or terrible as had been the preceding storm no trace of it was visible in the serenity of the present calm an occasion of discussion with mr arnott was speedily offered mr harrel said he had observed in the looks of his friends at the pantheon much surprised at the sight of him and declared he should take yet another measure for removing all suspicion this was to give a splendid entertainment at his own house to all his acquaintance to which he meant to invite everybody of any consequence he had ever seen and almost everybody he had ever heard of in his life levity so unfeeling and a spirit of extravagance so irreclaimable were hopeless prognostics yet cecilia would not desist from her design she therefore took the earliest opportunity of speaking with mr arnott upon the subject when she openly expressed her uneasiness at the state of his brother's affairs and warmly acknowledged her displeasure at his dissipated way of life mr arnott soon showed that example was all he wanted to declare the same sentiments he owned he had long disapproved the conduct of mr harrel and trembled at the situation of his sister They then considered what it was possible to propose that might retrieve their affairs, and concluded that entirely to quit London for some years was the only chance that remained of saving them from absolute destruction. Mr. Arnott, therefore, though fearfully and averse to the talk, told his sister their mutual advice. She thanked him, said she was much obliged to him, and would certainly consider his proposal, and mention it to Mr. Harrel parties of pleasure however intervened and the promise was neglected cecilia then again spoke herself mrs harrel much softened by her late acts of kindness was no longer offended by her interference but contented herself with confessing that she quite hated the country but could only bear to live in it in summer time and when cecilia very earnestly expostulated on the weakness of such an objection to a step absolutely necessary for her future safety and happiness she said she could do no worse than that if already ruined and therefore that she thought it would be very hard to expect from her such a sacrifice beforehand it was in vain cecilia remonstrated mrs harrel's love of pleasure was stronger than her understanding and therefore though she listened to her with patience she concluded with the same answer she had begun cecilia then though almost heartless resolved upon talking with mr harrel himself and therefore taking an opportunity which he had not time to elude she ingeniously told him her opinion of his danger and of the manner in which it might be avoided He paid unusual attention to her advice, but said she was much mistaken with respect to his affairs, which he believed he should now very speedily retrieve, as he had had the preceding night an uncommon run of luck, and flattered himself with being able very shortly to pay all his debts, and begin the world again upon a new score. This open confession of gaming was but a new shock to Cecilia, who scrupled not to represent to him the uncertainty of so hazardous a reliance, and the inevitable evils of so destructive a practice. She made not, however, the least impression upon his mind. He assured her he doubted not giving her shortly a good account of himself, and that living in the country was a resource of desperation which need not be anticipated. Cecilia, though grieved and provoked by their mutual folly and blindness, could proceed no further. Advice and admonition she spared not, but authority she had none to use. She regretted her ineffectual attempt to Mr. Arnott, who was yet more cruelly afflicted at it. But though they conversed upon the subject by every opportunity, they were equally unable to relate any success from their efforts, or to devise any plan more likely to ensure it. End of chapter seven. Recording by Jean of Washington, D.C.